Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd cover this portion for us, Lord. Uh, it's, uh, it's just ink on a piece of paper bound in leather, Lord, without your Holy Spirit. Um, the skeptics and the critics and the unbelievers, Lord, are right when they say the things they say because they don't have faith. Uh, Lord, and we understand that it's faith in you through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of your Holy Spirit that, that opens this book up to us, Lord, and allows us to see it and allows us to understand it, Father, and allows, it to, allows us to apply it to our lives. We can't do it without you, Father. And we don't want it to be vain and repetitious, and we don't want it to be something that we just do day in and day out, or week in and week out, or month in and month out, or on Christmas and New Year and, you know, Easter and holidays. And we want this, Lord, this word to be alive, to be living and active inside of us, Lord, dividing and penetrating our thoughts and intentions, uh, Lord, and showing us what kind of people we are, Lord, and what kind of people you're calling us to be. Uh, so we pray that you'd open it to us this morning and that you'd have your way here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Leviticus chapter 23, <clears throat> uh, we are going to be picking up in verse 15. Um, but I, I kind of wanted, wanted to, to also do a, a little bit of a recap, not of Dad's message. He did a, he did a good enough job on his, on his own. He doesn't need my help. But uh, chapter 23 is a rundown of the feasts uh, in the, on the Jewish calendar, the most important feast, the feast that God was saying, these are holy convocations. These are the feasts that I want you to, to solemnly participate in. Not something that is going to become a part of your life that is just what we were talking about, vain and repetitious. It's not something that you do because, well, it's this time of the year and it's this time of the month in that year and so that's what we do and it's a holiday and it's a great time for family and friends to get together and, and, and we do go to church and we do our thing. God forbid that anything that we do for the kingdom of heaven would be tradition. God forbid that anything that we ever do for the kingdom of heaven would be tradition. But everything that we would do for him would be an act of worship. That everything that we do for him would be us crying out to him, Lord, here we are, people of unclean lips, people uh, of sinful hearts, who find ourselves so often far away from you, Lord, we want to draw near to you. And we understand that the Bible says that you will, you will seek after me and you will find me, God says to the children of Israel and to us, when you seek after me with all your heart. God is not interested in our lip service. God is not interested in our church attendance. God is not interested in, in any of those gold star things that so often has gone along with Christianity or churchianity. The things that which, by which people can justify themselves. In the flesh, no one is justified, but all stand before God condemned. That's what Jesus came to teach. And so the, the journey that we are all on and, the, and, the, and the, the journey that we're trying to get as many of our friends and family and relatives and loved ones on as well is that same journey of understanding, of coming to a place of understanding. It's that point in that book, Pilgrim's Progress, where Christian understands finally that he carries a massive burden upon his back that he cannot bear. And the only way that he can be relieved of it, the only way he can be free from it is at the foot of the cross. 
And so we have that wonderful moment in the book when he comes finally to the foot of the cross and the burden falls from his back and rolls down Calvary and he's free. He's been liberated. The chains have been broken. He's been set free. His eyes and ears have been opened and he's a believer. He's a born again Christian. He's a child of God. He's a disciple of Jesus Christ. And only the power of God through the Holy Spirit can do that to a human being. You don't, you don't become a Christian by changing your ways. That's silly. That's nonsense. A leopard can't change its spots. You cannot change the person you are. You can make, we can all make small changes here and there. We're trying to eat right. Here's my New Year's resolution. Ba, 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 ba. But you're the same person, right? You're the same person. It is very hard for us to change. And it is impossible for us to change who we are at the core of who we are, our innermost being, what's really inside of your heart, what's really there. You can, you can pretend, you can be fake, you can be phony, and you can be false, and you can put a great foot forward and show everyone what a dynamic, wonderful, awesome Christian you are. And we can be like the ancient Israelites that God said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And what God is after is the same thing that he was after in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had fallen to sin and they'd eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God had commanded them not to eat of and fellowship immediately was broken with him. When he said, you shall surely die in the day that you eat it, they didn't understand that it wasn't physical death God was talking about. He was talking about a spiritual death. That our lifeline to spiritual life, eternal life, is through God the Father and there's no eternal life without him. And if that communication, if that line is broken, then spiritual death occurs. And so God came walking in the cool of the day through the garden as he did every day, calling out, Adam, Adam, where are you? Seeking after that fellowship. And that fellowship had been broken because of sin, because of disobedience. And God, through Jesus Christ and through the power of the gospel, is always seeking to make that connection whole again to reconnect us to a holy God that we are separated from by our own sin. But make no mistake, he wants relationship. And there is no relationship without truth, without honesty, without communication. If you've ever had any kind of relationship of any kind in your life, you understand these things. Any kind of human relationship, and God gives us these things so we can understand spiritual things. The way that God writes the Bible so we can get it. And so we can somehow get some sort of a glimpse of what's going on in the heavenlies. And we understand from human relationships that without truth and without communication, there's no relationship. You have those people in your life that maybe you're related to by blood, but there's really no relationship there. There's no real clear communication there. There's always a separation. And then you have people in your life maybe that you're not related to at all, that they're like family. Hopefully that's what church is. Hopefully that's what church is. When we come here, when we fellowship here, this is not a requirement. This is not something that you have to do to check off the list so that you can be a Christian. This is here for you. This is supposed to be an aid station. This is supposed to be an oasis in the desert so we can come together after a week of struggling and being out in the world and have fellowship together in the Spirit. And be truthful and honest with one another and confess to one another. Hey, would you pray for me? I'm dealing with this. Hey, would you pray for me? I'm dealing with that. Hey, would you help me or would you speak to me about this thing or that thing that's going on in my life? I want to know. I want, but the whole thing, the whole purpose of everything is to have relationship with God. We need to be honest with him. 
We make so many lies and agreements to ourselves. We're so disingenuous often with ourselves and with God. Listen to me right now. Every single person here. This is for somebody in here or for a few of you in here. God will not reject you if you show him who you really are. God will not cast you out if you're completely open to him and show him everything that's inside of you and you're honest with him and you say with your mouth to confess it because there's something different between saying it in your head and something about saying it with your mouth. God, I'm guilty of this. God, I know that I'm guilty of that. God, have mercy on me and forgive me because of this in my life and that in my life and these uncleanness in my life that I know that is there. Lord God, help me with these things. Enter into my life. Take hold of these areas of my life and you change me. He is only so eager to do that. You parents know this. When your child is going through something, all you want them to do is what? Talk to you. Tell me, honey, what's going on? Talk to daddy. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's happening so that I can understand you. I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to say, well, you're no good. You're out of this family. I want to help you. And Jesus said to the disciples, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? And Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Not to some earthly treasure, not to some earthly benefit or gain, but to relationship with our Father in heaven. Relationship. It's so easy for us to get caught up in tradition to get caught up in just this what we do. It's this thing that we do and we can forget. God wants relationship. Every feast in chapter 23 of Leviticus is about relationship with God and about something that he was going to accomplish through Jesus Christ. And so for you and I, we can look at these feasts and we can see what God wrote for the children of Israel through Moses and we can see something that they were never able to see. It wasn't even for them. It was for you to read this and go, wow, this was God speaking back in the day to me today. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, a solemn rest, rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwelling. So the first thing that God brings our attention back to is the Sabbath, that day of rest. We know that God created the world and everything in it in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. The seventh day was set apart for you and I as a Sabbath day of rest for us to just do what? Rest and focus in on God and our relationship with him. That's what the Sabbath day was for. It became a religious thing. It became a thing of duty with all sorts of rules and regulations and restrictions and obligations and laws and traditions of men that went along with it that made it a burden for people, but it was never meant to be a burden. It was meant to set them free. You don't have to come to church, guys. You get to come to church. You get to come to church. God says, I got a little place for you out in the sticks in Kirkville. 
And I want you to go there because I want to bless you there. And I want you to learn the word there. And I want you to have fellowship there. And I want you to be a better person for it. I want you to know me better for it. It's for you. It's for you. Remember what Jesus said, Sabbath was not made for, or excuse me, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And the New Testament, we're told by the apostle that there remains a Sabbath day of rest for God's people. Jesus Christ, friend, is your rest. Jesus Christ is your rest. He's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And these are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. Uh, on the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but you guys know the deal with Passover. This is the day in Egypt, the last plague of Egypt, by which the Egyptians set the children of Israel free. And God had Moses, he instructed him to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, a perfect lamb without blemish, and to put it to death, to shed its blood, and to take that blood and to put it on the lentils and the doorposts of the home so that when the angel of death passed through Egypt, it would pass over any house that had the blood on the doorposts. And if you're a Christian right now, you should be getting the ding, ding, the ding, ding in your head, right? And what, because what God was showing them and showing us through this is that there is still an angel of death and he works through sin, seeking to take the life away from every man, woman, and child on the planet eternally. But the blood of the spotless lamb shed for you and I, put on the doorposts and the lentils of our hearts, causes the angel of death to pass over us. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Right? Hello? This is the greatest thing of all time. It's fantastic. You are free. You are guiltless. You are spotless. When anyone accuses you on this world or in that world, you have an advocate, the man Jesus Christ, who sits, the Bible says, at the right hand of the Father forever to make intercession on your behalf. Hello? Amen? Wow! You are, there is no condemnation. So stop condemning yourself. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. If you're in Christ, there's conviction. There's God saying, I need you to do this. I want you to give this to me. I want you to do that for me. I want you to give up that thing. I want you to stop doing this thing so that you can draw closer, so that you can be tighter with me. But there is no condemnation. Condemnation is only for those who are outside of Christ, who don't have his blood on the doorpost and the lentils of their heart. There is no other name given amongst men by which they must be saved, the word says. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. It is narrow. It is exclusive. And the world will condemn you for that. Let them. Because I know to whom I belong, and there's no condemnation in him. And though the world may condemn me, and the world may hate me, I know where my inheritance lies, and I know where my citizenship is. What are you going to do if the socialists take over? What are you going to do if America goes full commie? And they take your guns. Well, we're going to shoot every last one. Well, what? If that so happens, and I'm going to do everything in my power legally to see that it doesn't, but if that happens... Guess what I'm going to do the next day? Get up and praise Jesus and tell some commies about him too. 
Because that's what he's called me to do. Not to be a Republican. Not to be a good conservative. Not to be a Trump supporter. He's called me to be an advocate. He's called me to be an intercessor. To have that same mind and that same heart of Jesus Christ. What do I want to do? I want to take a person and I want to introduce them to the Father through Jesus Christ. I want to tell them there's a future and there's a hope for you that's beyond all of this. And I don't care what you do with your life. And I don't care where you come from. And I don't care what kind of a lifestyle you're involved with. Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with you. He'll take care of the rest. Stop trying to tell people they need to clean themselves up. They don't need to clean themselves up. When the harlot was brought to Jesus Christ, she is not like on the path to getting her life together. In the midst of sin, she was thrown at his feet. And the religious hypocrites said, what do you say? The law says we ought to stone such a one. You know the rest. Daughter, where are your accusers? None, Lord. Neither do I accuse you. Now here's the catch. Now go and sin no more. Because there's a lie invading the church today. There's a lie invading the church that takes that gospel of grace and peace and twists it and perverts it. And is telling Christians today that if you're a Christian or if you claim to be a Christian, you can continue on in any lifestyle you want. And it's okay because you're forgiven. That is not what the Bible teaches. Understand and know this. You know a tree by the fruit that it bears. Don't put the cart before the horse. One of us plants, another one waters, but God causes these things to grow. But make no mistake about it, if a person truly comes to God through Jesus Christ, God is going to begin a work in their heart. Now let me say this, Christian, it ain't up to you, and it certainly ain't up to me, to judge how fast that work ought to take place. Can I get an amen for that? Or how it ought to look, or at what speed it ought to travel. Stay the course. You love Jesus? I love Jesus, and I, but I just I can't get, I just can't sit there. Love Jesus. Follow Jesus. Study his word. See if he doesn't change you from the inside out. See if his Holy Spirit doesn't come upon you and do things in you and through you that you never could have imagined. And that your family certainly would have never believed. When I first met Anthony, is Anna here? She's not here, is she? Is she listening live? Hi, Anna. Is she like... When I first met Anthony, because I, I, I had a dirt bike, and I know I want to jump it. I need to jump this dirt bike. Do you know how to jump it? No, I'm going to probably get killed. But I want to jump the dirt bike. And I need, to, who can help me? Well, I know this guy, and he's a believer, and his name's Anthony Pavia. And he would love to come out. He's a dirt bike fanatic. So Anthony came out, and I met Anthony. We introduced, we were immediately bros and friends, and we're like, we love dirt bikes, and we'd love to use it for ministry, and that's a whole other story. But when Anthony went home, to his bride, who was a north side Italian Roman Catholic. Okay, these are my people that I grew up with. And he said, yeah, man, I met a great guy today and blah, 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 and this and that. And what's his name? Frank Thomas. Who? Fr- Frank Thomas. Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> Poor Anna. She was like, what, is he trying to get you to move drugs? <laughs> you know, what is he trying to get you into? What, what's he doing? With that? Because if the, the Frank Thomas I know... I don't want you hanging out with. I don't want you around him. But you know what? I'm still a jerk. You guys know this, right? Weirdo. But I am not the person that I used to be. 
And it's not because of some program, and it's not because of my father's amazing Bible teachings. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can no longer do the things that I used to do. You know why? I'm ruined for this world. I'm ruined for it. And my flesh is still like, that looks delicious. Let's try it. It'll be good. I swear it. Okay, just a little bit. Oh, you know, oh, I can't do it anymore. I can't live that life anymore. You know why? Not because I'm good. I used to be bad. And now because the Lord has changed me. Praise God. And here's the best part. It's going to get better. He's going to continue to change me. He's going to continue to move me along by the power of his Holy Spirit to conform me more and more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, because that's what he does. But it's by grace, through our desire. Friends, God, I want to know you. If you sit here today and you're like, I really don't want to know him. I just kind of want to party. You can tell him that too. What did you just say to me? I'm not saying it's cool. I'm not saying God is it. But you can be, God wants you honest with him. I would rather have somebody come up to me after service and go, hey man, how you doing brother? Oh, my blankety blank and blanker week with a blankety blank. You know, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to sit there and go, well, we don't have that kind of talk around here, brother. I would rather have a person be real and honest and open with me and show me their brokenness than to come to me with a bunch of words of how wonderful they're doing and how blessed they are. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. How you doing? Hashtag blessed. Hashtag the Christian life. Hashtag love. Hashtag the I'm like, you know that I know you, right? <laughs> Hashtag, you're a mess. Hashtag, get your crap together. Hashtag, are you going to be in church on Sunday? <laughs> God wants you. God wants you. And he wants your no good, lousy, rotten friends and family too. As they are, to be honest, God, right now, I don't care. God, right now, I'm mad. God, right now, I have no desire to study your word. You help me, God, because I can't do... Watch if he doesn't do a work. Watch and see if he's not going to make a miracle happen in your life today, this week, this month, this year. God's good all the time. Let's see, what time is it? All right. Uh, so, Passover. I want to read a couple of verses to you. Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, and 7 and 8. The Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Verses 7 and 8 of Luke 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he, Jesus, sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. The reason I'm reading you these verses is Jesus Christ was the Passover lamb. He was put to death at Passover. And friend, it wasn't by mistake. All those years earlier in Egypt, when God instituted Passover, he was seeing clearly the day that the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world would be offered up on Passover. Oh, man, as the first, only, and last sacrifice that would ever be needed for you and I. He died once for all. That's the best news you're ever going to hear. Because you know who's included in all? Everybody. He died for everybody. The beauty of the Passover. On the first six of Leviticus 23, and on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Now, this is the, these are the days following the Passover. So the Passover lamb was slaughtered, and then following that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in which you would only eat bread with no leaven in it. Now, leaven in the scriptures is always for us a representation of sin. Okay, and they can't say this enough. What does leaven do? It makes Columbus bakery bread. I would take a loaf and smash it into my face. It is, the, it is heaven on earth, Columbus bakery bread. Do you know why? The miracle of leaven. Leaven makes it soft and fluffy. I take my little pet and I, you know. That's what leaven does to bread. You know what else it does? You know what else it does? It makes it mold and mildew and rot. Who's got matzo crackers at their house? Me? A couple. Two wackos. That's it. Two weird wackos. Why would you have a matzo cracker? They're disgusting. Well, you can have a matzo cracker in your, in your cupboard, not even in the fridge, but in the cupboard for like a 50 years. <laughs> it doesn't rot. It doesn't get moldy. It doesn't go green. Why? There's no leaven in it. When God's saying, I want you for seven days, celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what he's saying is, is I want you to be in the practice. I want you to be in the mindset of removing leaven from your life. I want you to be in the leaven-removing business in your life, not in your neighbor's life. Hello? In your life. I want you to be in the leaven-removing business. What comes first? Passover. You don't get the leaven and then the Passover, right? There's a reason for this. First, the sacrifice is made. Then the leaven can be removed. First, we put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. We are forgiven. Every sin you ever have done, will do, or are going to do, or are currently doing, you are forgiven. And now, because of that gift and because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ wants to continue. Hey, quit talking back there. Elijah. That's it. Jesus wants you to be in the leaven-removing business in your life. That's what Jesus wants. And he's given you the power by his Holy Spirit to do it. Understand me? That's what he wants you to do. Just like when Jesus Christ went to the man with the withered hand, and he said, stretch forth your hand, Jesus gave every single power piece of power and ability that was required for that man to be able to stretch out his hand. But the man himself still had to will to obey. He had to say to himself, Jesus says, stretch out your withered hand. Well, that's impossible. I've had this withered hand my whole life. It's impossible. I can't stretch it out. But Jesus told you to. With God, nothing is impossible. And he wants you in the leaven-removing business in your life. But you don't understand, Pastor. But you don't understand, Pastor. But you, oh, I understand. I love leaven. Leaven's delicious. And leaven's hard to remove. If you're a white bread eater, a Columbus bakery bread eater, and then someone hands you a, a loaf of stone ground whole wheat Ezekiel bread or something like that, that is a weapon. 
now to be used against that person. Throw that at that person. That's a terrible thing. Don't you ever do that to me again as long as you live, right? But Jesus wants us to be in the leaven removing business in our lives. And he's given you the power to do it. You have to believe it. And you have to will to obey. Uh, Let's see. First fruits, verse 9, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come unto the land which I give to you and, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the, free shall, the priest shall wave it. This idea of bringing in the very first and the very best of my harvest before the Lord for it to be offered up to him. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, 1 Corinthians 15:20 says this, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So now we have in the feast Jesus again, the Passover lamb, the removing of the leaven, and now First fruits. Jesus Christ, the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead. And Paul is telling the church this when people were going around saying there is no resurrection of the dead. He was like, if there's no resurrection of the dead, your faith is futile. If it was only, this is where he says that famous verse, if it were only for this life we had hope in Christ, we would be above all men the most pitiable. But now Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And because he's the first fruits of the resurrection, we can believe that every promise that he's given us is true. And that includes the fact that guess who else is going to rise from the dead? Here's a hint. You. And so we have another feast fulfilled through Jesus Christ, the feast of the first fruits. Now, let's skip down. Uh, verse 15 of 23. You shall count for yourselves from the day after this of, the, of the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheave and the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed after first fruits. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. And you shall bring from your dwelling two wave loaves and two tenths of ephah. And it goes down through all of the sacrifice to verse 21. And you shall proclaim on the same day that it is a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work on it. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. Okay? Now, the Feast of Weeks is also called Pentecost. Pentecost. And remember, before Jesus Christ ascended into the heavens, remember what he said to his disciples? Wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Wait in Jerusalem until the gift that I promise you is given. And guess what day that was that the Holy Spirit came? Well, you guys already know from Sunday school, right? Pentecost. It's on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came. Now, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost for the Jews was a celebration of the law being given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Okay, you see what's happening here? Pentecost, a celebration of the law given to Moses on Mount Sinai. For you and I, Passover Jesus, unleavened bread through Jesus, first fruits of the resurrection, Jesus, and now Pentecost, not the law, but the Holy Spirit. Not the law, but the Spirit of grace living inside of us as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. Wow. Another feast fulfilled. 
and I was going to do a little bit more, but we're going to stop right there, okay? So let's stop right there because we got communion to do. And several of you are falling asleep. <laughs> it's warm in here. I know. I know. I, I, see, I'm just as bad. I'm just as bad. I sleep in church all the time. And I love my father's teachings, but I can't help myself because of leaven, probably. <laughs> let's have our ushers come forward. Talking about Jesus Christ, talking about the Passover, that he is our Passover lamb, that he is the one by whom we can remove the leaven from our lives, that he is the first fruits of the resurrection from the dead, that he fulfilled Pentecost, or rather the Holy Spirit did, when he came on the day of Pentecost and filled the believers. You know what comes after that? You know what feasts after that? Dad would say, hallelujah. Trumpets. You know what happens at the trumpet sound? Okay, we're going to get into that next week. But all of these things through Jesus Christ that have been accomplished, all of these promises, the Bible talks about the fact, about the fact that the prophets of old, the saints of the Old Testament, they longed to look into these things, to truly understand what these things meant. But you and I, living the most privileged time of anyone that's ever lived in the history of the planet because God, through Jesus Christ and through his word, has opened up the meaning of all of these things to you and I that we may see it and know it and say, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, oh, there's Jesus. It's amazing. All through the Old Testament, Jesus is everywhere in the Old Testament. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and you begin to study the word of God and you begin to say, God, show these things to me, reveal these things to me, man, he begins to open it up to you and show you where Jesus is everywhere. And that's not by mistake. At the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what's going on in your life, understand and know this. Jesus is always waiting for you to cry out to him. Always, whether you're a believer or not. If you're not a believer, he's waiting for you to cry out to him, save me a sinner. Have mercy on me a sinner. I, I want to receive that salvation that is spoken of in your word. I want to be born again like Jesus talked about in the word of God. And for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, but are like Peter, walking on the water, and then suddenly find ourselves distracted by the wind and the waves and all these other things that are going on in our lives, and we find ourselves sinking... Jesus is only a hand away. Always, always looking to respond to our hearts. So, no matter what's going on in your life today, no matter what's going on in your life today, whoa, that was, something grabbed me. Um, <laughs> am I saying this right? You know, you know, the Bible talks about eating and drinking <laughs> the communion table in an unworthy manner. And if you do that, you're eating and drinking judgment upon yourselves. It used to be, that's what we like to focus on. You'd be like, some of you may not make it to the, to the exit after you take communion today. You better be careful. If you're not right with the Lord and eat communion, God will kill you. Kill you. I'll be back here going, yeah, God, get them, you know. <clears throat> when the Bible talks about eating and drinking this in an unholy manner, in an unworthy manner, and thus trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus Christ, what that means is someone who's lying, someone who's being phony, someone who's being false, someone who has no intention of making Jesus Christ the Lord of their life and yet pretending that they are by taking communion and participating in the body of Christ and participating in this gift, in this sacrament. 
while being false. That's the rule, guys. Don't be false. If you're not perfect here today, right? I mean, talk to Nikki after church about my week. There's always a daddy rage here or there. Something where I flew off the handle or acted like an idiot or did something stupid or said something stupid. That's continual with me. And if it was my performance that dictated whether or not I was worthy to take part in this communion table, then I'd be sitting it out every single time. But this is about having a meal with Jesus Christ. This is about being a sinner and saying, you know what, Jesus? I love you because of who you are, because of what you've done for me. And I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have a real relationship with you. And part of having a real relationship is being open and being honest about who I am. Jesus, would you have a relationship with someone like me? Jesus, would you break bread with someone like me? Guess what the answer is? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he could. You think Zacchaeus is an accident? That's in the Bible? Guy was a dirtbag. He was literally a dirtbag. He was robbing his own people. He was a turncoat. He was a traitor. Half the disciples would have loved to kill him. That's why he's up in the tree. It's not just because he was short. If the crowd could get to him, they'd rip him limb from limb. And Jesus, in front of everybody, tells Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to go to your house and have supper with you, Zacchaeus. You, with all of the things going on in your life, I want to have fellowship with you. Zacchaeus, he was never the same because of that relationship. That's what communion is about. So if that's your heart, please share with us today. Come on up, guys.